Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Corey Baumeister and as always, well, not as always, because unfortunately I'm not joined by my brother from another mother today because his movers are literal Satan and they keep putting him through bullshit. So if anybody's upset that Brad is on the podcast, blame the movers because they are totally responsible for all of it. But a couple things we do for sure have going on. Our podcast can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And we do have a very special guest, as always. So we're going to be talking a lot about top 10s here in Innistrad, Midnight Hunt. So since we're talking about top 10, we wanted to bring in someone who is an honorable mention, didn't quite make the top 10, but an honorable mention as the top 10 Bryans in Magic the Gathering. And that is none other than Mr. Brian Brown. How are you doing, BBD? You know, and I am doing phenomenal. And, you know, there's so many great Bryans in uh, Magic that... There is, yeah. It was an honor and a mention to have been <laughs> considered for the list, but ultimately not making it. it you know, I... Yeah. I'm just, I'm just proud. I'm just happy to be here, you know, you could say. Um, yeah. I gotta say, though, I, I take a little offense to something that you said, Corey. Okay. Go do tell. You you I, don't like that we're on Stitcher anymore, do you? No, it's not that. <laughs> I'm actually okay. I actually think you were it was a little bit of an unfair comparison that you made earlier. Okay. You do said tell. you said that Brad's movers were literal Satan. Yes. I think that that is offensive to Satan. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, very good point. Yeah, I think uh Satan is just a breath of fresh air compared to the bullshit Brad has had to deal with when it comes to his moving company. So you're right. I take that back. John, we can edit that in post, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, I also, I'm also looking at the document here, and I've noticed that you have said who I was an honorable mention as the top 10 brains in MTG as you spelled my name wrong. You I told it. you I spelled it wrong and I did not go back to change it because I was going to be the person saying it. OK, brain. <laughs> but that that's much more flattering for me. If I'm an honorable mention for the top 10 brains in magic. I mean, that's actually quite an accomplishment because there's yeah, some you're crushing it. There's some real brainiacs in this game, so that's true. But as far as Brian goes, I mean, you yeah. know what? Kibler's probably got you. That's that's pretty that's pretty apparent. Brian David Marshall. I mean, come oh, he's on, he's me. a historian. Yeah. Is there any other Brian's in, in, in real talk here? There is. There's Brian Weissman of the okay. Deck fame. Okay. Who also had a, some recent controversy surrounding a, an old school event, but okay, okay. Yeah, I he's got me for sure. Yeah, I say recent. That was like three <laughs> or four years ago, but whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's they're, recent they're, yeah. in your MTG uh, experience. I feel in the last in the last couple of years. Right, right. right. <laughs> I'm sure there's others that I'm not thinking of at the moment. I mean, for sure there are. But yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. So everything good in your life, though, Brian? You got any mover problems, or is yours hopefully uh, a, a lot less stressful? <laughs> The right only now mover, what we got for Brad's? The only mover problems that I have are bowel movers. So. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you got it uh, going a little bit better than, than Brad at the moment. That's yeah. for sure. No, I'm actually, uh, I'm happy. Like, uh, football season started this week. Yes. Uh, so that, yes. to me, that's beautiful. I, I've become a huge fan of football over the last few years. So I, I love football season. And I just love the fall season too, you know? 
I just love like you just the, love leaves changing. Well, no, I don't care about leaves <laughs> changing. I don't give a shit about that. Just the weather, you know, like I, yeah. I feel like it's got that crisp feel. You know, it's yes. kind of like it's kind of a nice like you can wear a hoodie, uh, in and and like some sweatpants or whatever, and you're you're cool. And I don't know. I just I, I love the yeah. fall. I love I love football. Um. Yeah, instead Slight. of just being completely hot and miserable like Roanoke is, leading up until about September. September is where, you know, you can just absolutely go outside without having to change your shirt like three times throughout the day. That That's the thing I hate about summers in, in Roanoke. Yeah, like you look outside the window and you're, you start to sweat. Like you yeah. just just by looking outside. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of that. I will say there's slight caveat my uh, enjoyment of week one of the NFL season was slightly marred by um, the Viking, the way the Vikings lost. <laughs> okay. Tell me about it. Cause I think I heard a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll take a little football break. Cause I'm, I'm curious about that. And then I watched a, a couple games here and there, but I think the main storyline for me is just to see if Carson uh, is good on the Colts or if it's like going to be a big flop since he's, the hometown hero of North Dakota, you know, he he he's our boy. So everyone well, has to know what Carson Wentz is doing. He might be your boy, but he is not my boy because I. Uh, so number one, I'm in a league where you have to pick. You pick five games each week, and you and it's not you're not just picking who wins the games, but you're picking based on like the Vegas odds. Okay. So okay. like like per players or just games. Games. So like for okay. example, like. If, you know, there was a game a couple years ago where it was the Jets and the Patriots, and this is when the Patriots were like a real juggernaut with Tom Brady and the Jets were one of the worst teams of all time. Okay. And and the Vegas odds was like 23 points or something like that. So they Jesus. they thought the Patriots were going to win by 23. Um, and that so just doesn't then, even seem like a good bet at that point. Like, that's too many points. At some point, they just go easy on them, you know, like. So, yeah, you have the option of so like if if that was a game that you wanted to pick, you can take the Patriots and you're like, I think the Patriots will beat the Jets by even more than 23. Or you can take the Jets and 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 be like, well, I think the Jets are going to only lose by 14 or whatever, you know, like that's that's how that's how it works. So I took the Seahawks were playing against the Colts this week. Actually, the Seahawks was one of the teams that I picked. They were the they were I think the Colts were favored by four or the Seahawks were favored to win by four points. So they had to win by more than four. And the okay. reason I took Seattle is because Carson Wentz was the statistically the worst quarterback in the league last year. And so oh, I yeah, picked, yeah, I remember I that. And he had like a COVID uh, scare slash controversy for round one. And like, they weren't even sure if he was going to play for a while. Right. Right. He was essentially refusing he, to get vaccinated. <laughs> I don't know if that was was that Carson once that was doing that? Maybe. I know yeah, Kirk Cousins. That is definitely Carson. Okay. There, People from North Dakota, you can just guess. You know, that's like, right. That's that is true. He is from yeah. North Dakota. That's like a yeah. that's a pretty good telltale yeah. sign there. Really but yeah, is. so uh and I think he had like had like a pre And that's coming from someone from North Dakota, by the way. Just just saying that. <laughs> that's uh, that's observation I've learned from my Facebook feed. Not well, from the news or anything like that. You I know? can tell you that uh, my extended family is from North Dakota and can confirm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is not me putting down people from yeah. North Dakota. This is just experience from being from North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely confirm with my extended yeah. family out there. But yeah, so 
Uh, so I basically picked the Seattle against because of because of I I just don't have any faith in Carson Wentz and Seattle. Yeah, don't did, blame you. They did cover that spread and Carson Wentz wasn't great. So really, yeah. okay, okay. And I mean, but, it's Russell Wilson. He's a he's a beast. Oh, he is, dude. He had some. He he has the best deep throw in the in in the league. I think. Yeah. Just perfect yeah. spirals for like 50 yards that land right in the receiver's hands. I mean, it's incredible how good he is. Uh, I've had, I'd have some words with you on the, on the side of Aaron Rodgers for that one, but you know, maybe that's a, that's an Aspros podcast for another day. Oh, and Whoa. speaking of that, everyone, I know last week we really talked about kind of kicking up our, our pre-show to reflect our new, uh, you know, project that we're working on the Aspros podcast, but without yep. Brad, we ended up putting it off another week. So sorry about that, everyone. We are going to try to get it going next week uh, when the rancid moving company has finally stopped, uh, <laughs> you know, pestering Brad's life. So sorry. Yeah, about that. I actually, I actually prepared some topics to talk about for that, but one of them was Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's <laughs> testicles. <laughs> Of course. I mean, these are important topics to talk about on a podcast, but... Uh, I saw that. I saw that <laughs> tweet being shared on Cedric's Twitter this morning before I, I did Versus, and I'm like, are you absolutely shitting me? What on earth has the news become? And, uh, you know, then I went live on Versus Live, so I didn't have time to actually comprehend it, but I'm glad we're revisiting it now. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I mean that—that's uh, that's beautiful stuff. But anyway, to, to get back to what I was saying, yeah, the Vikings were playing the Bengals, and um, oh, I did watch the end of that. That's right, because Rob is a big Bengals fan, so I was over he, at his house during the game. Yeah, yeah, and it was—it was, it was a—it uh, was actually a very good game. Um, yep. not not necessarily well played, good, but like it was a very entertaining, close game. Um. There were like the Bengals made a crazy decision to go for it on fourth down earlier in the game uh, okay. when they were wi- they were winning 21 to seven and they went for it on fourth and one from their own 30 yard line. And they Yikes. didn't they didn't get it. And then the Vikings scored a touchdown like two plays later. And then the Vikings Why would scored you a no- do that like that. That's where you be defensive, right? Like give them the field and make them go. If you're behind, that's where you make those kind of decisions, wouldn't you think? Yeah, so I disagreed with that uh, decision. But then later <laughs> in the game, it was they were around like the forty or fifty yard line, and it was ta- it was uh, no, it, they were up twenty four to twenty one. The Bengals were, and they had the ball, and it was fourth wow. and one. And there was like two minutes. There was like a minute and forty seconds left in the game, or something. And uh, the like the Bengals decided to punt, and the announcers were like basically saying like well after that you know they were saying like oh yeah they made that really weird um basically the announcer was saying like yeah like the the fourth down decision that they made earlier in the game was justifiable but if they were to go for it here it would be ridiculous and i was thinking like no that's not right at all it's the like, opposite yeah because if they had gone for that fourth down and made it at the end of the game the game is over because the vikings didn't have enough timeouts to stop it so if they mm-hmm. get that fourth and one, the game is over. But if they punt, they're only punting like 20 or 30 yards worth of field position because they're already that far down the field. Yeah, but exactly. they ended up de- they ended up deciding to punt it. Two plays later, the Vikings had already covered all that field already. <laughs> um, and they went down and the Vikings kicked a last second field goal, which is, I mean, this is already like danger city. 
with oh, yeah. some kicker that like nobody's ever fucking heard of before. That's because who, every Minnesota Vikings kicker comes <laughs> into the town and gets immediately fired because they miss like some huge fucking moment. And then they're just like, okay, I cannot, we cannot do this again next year. And just every year is a new Vikings kicker, I feel. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, I could get going a rant about that. Um, yeah. And so, but anyway, this new guy's career long was 51 yards and he, he is kicking from 53 yards to tie the game to go to overtime. Oh, my and God. I, it's longer than he's ever kicked before. Some random ass did, uh, he kicks it and misses, but the Bengals have called the timeout. timeout. Yeah. Yep. So the Bengals have <laughs> called timeout right there. So then, of course, he makes it. Like, <laughs> because yeah, they, yeah. they tried to ice the kicker um, and, like, you know, get him off his game. But they waited but the they last... they gave him a practice swing, you know? Like, that's the same kind of thing. That's why icing the kicker feels so silly to me. It is so dumb. Yeah, they gave him a practice swing. He, of course, he drills it on the real swing. They go to overtime. <laughs> <laughs> now this is where i was upset so earlier in the game there was a play where <clears throat> they threw a pass and uh to justin jefferson and it looks like he scores a touchdown but they ruled him down at the one yard line or yeah, like you know a couple of inches short of the yard line so they reviewed the play um and because i mean from the video it looked like obvious that he was in the end zone so mm-hmm. Zimmer challenges it. They review the play and they and they decide they they uphold it. They say there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. And yeah. I was like, that that's a horrible call. But like, it, I mean, they were on the one yard line. They scored the next play anyway, so it didn't really matter. But sure. it's like I was like, man, that's that's so dumb. So now they're now uh, in overtime. The Vikings are driving and they've driven into basically field goal range. Which we we as we now know, Greg Joseph, that's their kicker. I mean, that guy's a monster. He could kick a fifty-three yarder and no Dude, sweat. He's, you know? he's drilled the only clutch Minnesota Vikings <laughs> field goal in the history of all time. Is, is what I'm gathering from this story. Like, yeah, he's hit the only clutch Vikings field goal in in franchise history. So he's already yeah, the Brett best. Brett Favre Vi- is Brett Favre is like begging to have that guy back on his team back in the day. <laughs> he's 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 already the best kicker in Vikings franchise history. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, Gary Anderson. No, but yeah, so he uh, they're in field goal range, basically, and uh, they run the ball to Dalvin Cook and he gets like a decent gain and then fumbles and and the Bengals recover it uh, and they rule it a fumble. And so we they go like the play gets like any uh, turnover play like that's going to get reviewed. So it gets reviewed. And from the footage of the review, it is very obvious to the point where, like, they bring in like the ant, like they bring in an NFL official um, into the booth to like discuss these plays with the commentators. And basically, yeah, yeah, every all the commentators and the official all agree that it's clear that he was down and then fumbled after he was already down. Um, and yeah. the ref again, it was like his elbow, wasn't it? I remember watching no, was, the very end of this. It game. was his, it was his ass. It was oh, a, just ass down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ass down. Ass bros podcast. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah, hey so, no chilling on this podcast. <laughs> okay. You're barely yeah. an honorable mention for top 10 Brian's. You can't just be, you know, chilling, but yeah, continue. <laughs> so anyway, they, they, uh, they rule that it, they uphold the ruling on the field and say that it was a fumble. And then the Bengals end up going down, kicking a field goal and winning. 
So I, I was a little bit upset by that because that was two wow. different calls that they both like basically made what was like very obviously the incorrect call. And um, there's this like basically there like, there's a thing like with football where to overturn a call, they have to like basically have like indisputable um, evidence, right? Right. They have to have yeah. indisputable evidence to overturn the call. Yeah. Same um, thing in basketball. Right. And they, it's not just, you know, like so it's like they basically both times they rule that like there wasn't enough evidence to overturn the call. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is like the dumbest thing ever because. Yeah, I think because, it should be viewed as just like uh, open your mind to just look at this thing and just call it one way or the other. Exactly. You know? Like make yeah. make what is the correct call. You don't yeah. need you don't need like you know a full legal team's worth of burden of proof to overturn a call it's it's a sports game like look at look at look at what you see in the video of these cameras that are like zoomed in and cut yeah. down to the to like the milliseconds and yeah, look at I, look at those cameras and then make a decision based on that don't yeah. have to try to overturn some official who couldn't see through 15 players, whatever call that person made, like why yeah, do you have to overturn that? That is the, like, to me, it makes literal no sense. But anyway, I was, I was frustrated about that. Cause like that basically the Vikings basically were in a position where they were pretty likely to win and then end up losing. And it was because of that call, which was wrong. And because but. of that rule, you know, it was because of the rule, like they were, <laughs> they were acting upon what the rules are in place and it's not the official's job to change the rule mid mid thing, you know? Right. So I get it, but yeah, that is, that is so ridiculous thing. It's like, all it is, is I feel like that rule was put in place when the technology was not there, right? Like when it was just, you, you maybe had a little bit of a camera replay, maybe not the best possible you know, ins and out cameras. Like now there's even a camera at the goal line in the, you know, in the safety things that you have to tip over. I forget what they're called, but like, yeah, you know, the pylons or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They have cameras in there that look right down the line. So you can exactly like technology and football has advanced into such a way where it's like, okay, the human eye is now probably the worst piece of surveillance on there. So it should be like, yeah, you call it there because well, you know, a computer can't pick up everything. Um, and then you just look over it afterwards and then that's just where you open your mind. You're like, okay, now you can see it perfectly. Pick one or one or the other, just the bias of what was already called makes no sense to me. And I think it's only football and basketball that still do that. Like even hockey, I I guess I'm not hundred percent sure for hockey, but yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure hockey like tracks the puck, right? Like I they they actually have like a tracker in the puck. So they mm-hmm. can like track whether it goes into the goal, which that's another thing about football too, is I don't understand why don't they have a tracker in the ball so they can place it accurately after a play's yeah. done instead of having like some dude run over that was like 40 yards away and be like, oh, I think it was here. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. But anyways, that was uh, I, I totally agree. That is ridiculous. And I am excited that football's back. But we should probably get into our main topic. I think we've lost Mangucci by now. Yeah, the the last thing I want to say is a a that sucked that that happened to my favorite team, but yeah, that definitely didn't ruin my excitement. I mean, it was tilting for a small period of time, but didn't ruin my excitement of the weekend. And it was like there were some truly incredible, insane games that were played, and the underdog won nine out of the sixteen games that were played, which is 
crazy. Like that, that basically never happened. Like, um, I, I, I think somebody posted that it had never happened in 35 years or something like that. So kind of, kind of, kind of awesome. Like it was, and a lot of the games were really impressive too. So I feel like week one, that's going to happen more often than any as well, because you don't see teams that have been working on stuff the whole time. It's like, we're kind of shadowed to the, that practice thing, right? Like, you know, people that are in the practice uh, camps and stuff are like, okay, this team is going to be good, you know, and maybe got it a little wrong or something like that. But. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I was thinking that too, but somebody actually, because I made a tweet about it and somebody actually tweeted at me saying that um, they're, they're like over the last like 20 years or whatever, there's no noticeable difference in week one versus any other week for when uh, for predictions upsets happen. And stuff. Right. Okay. All right, that's Which, wild. That was that was surprising to me. I th- I thought week one would be more chaotic as well. And there's certainly things like, um, for example, like so many people were picking the uh, Jacksonville to beat the Texans because the Texans like they had the De- Deshaun Watson issue, um, so they're yeah, not starting. Yeah, so now they're starting Tyrod Taylor instead. Which Tyrod Taylor mm-hmm. is like a, a totally solid quarterback. So I don't know why people were losing their shit about that. And like, you know, they, they like lost a ton of their talent and stuff. And like, and everyone was just like, I can't believe Jacksonville's only, um, or I can't believe the Texans are, or Jacksonville's only favored by three points or whatever. It's like, you guys do remember that Jacksonville was the worst team in the league last year. (laughs) For a long time. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, I don't know. Some of that stuff is like, everyone was like losing their shit about how close the line was there. And then of course the Texans like obliterated them just (laughs) beat the actual crap out of them so i mean some of that stuff like that i think there's a lot of uncertainty but yeah i don't know yeah but yeah let's talk about let's talk about top 10 in a strad cards all right so i suppose we should get to our main topic here bbd i love losing mangucci as much as the next guy but uh yeah i think we should probably talk about some cards all right let's do it okay so uh this top 10 list me and brad were kind of going to compile um, a top 10 list together and mesh it together, kind of talk about our differences and stuff like that. Um, but with Brad gone, we're just going to do my top 10 list. Um, and of course, I'm sure they're going to be really different. Maybe we can explore what top 10 cards he had all lined up. But I put a list up here and it feels slightly wrong, BBD, because, well, there is a ton of a certain color pie that is up in this set, but I just put the top 10 cards that I think are going to be the most effective and standard immediately. And uh, yeah, shall we start? All right, let's begin. So, all right, first card you got listed here is Reckless Stormseeker, cost two and a red, creature, human, werewolf. Uh, At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus one plus zero and gains haste until end of turn. And then it is day bound. So, um... Let me find you don't have. Oh, the I got other you. Side. I got you. Yeah. Let me find this other side. Okay, so then the nightbound side is storm charge charge slasher creature werewolf. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus two plus O and gains trample and haste until end of turn, and that's the nightbound side. Yeah, so I think this card is just insane. Like, not only does it fit the wolf werewolf tribe where it's going to be able to play with a lot of the other synergies um, in in just werewolves and, and wolves and whatnot. But I think it's it's number one synergies is, well, attacking for three when it comes into play. Like, that is ridiculous. We've seen 
three mana three threes be really strong before in standard. I mean, I, well, the green red hybrid creature. I, I don't remember the name. Spellbreaker. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That card was great. And I was even talking the other one, the hybrid card where it's like green red hybrid, green red hybrid. Green Red Hybrid. I think it was in like Noble Hierarch Standard. Oh, days. you're talking about Bogart Ram Gang. Yeah, like that was the first one, you know, that that I remember at least. And that was a really strong card. It definitely made it and and saw a lot of play. This card, especially with um the applications in standard, I think curving this into a Zika's chariot is completely bananas. Just being able to, you know, combine this with one of the cats to crew and then give the Azekas Chariot haste attack copy another cat like that's an outrageous amount of power and i think this is the card where if i made my list last week it might have not even made the list but as i've been playing with it on versus it just seems so good because we've been playing it on a lot of other decks like that like played it in a mono red deck that just you know has a lot of burn had a lot of aggressive creatures and the ability was really strong and the power and toughness is still not bad if it ever gets to be come into play just as a 3-4, aka if it's already night, which happens late in the game. If we have a decent amount of nightbound, daybound stuff, you know, like Arlen the Pax Hope and, and other cards like that, just coming in as a night creature and being able to immediately attack with a 5-4 for three mana, you know, I mean, that's just something we actually just haven't seen and as it, far as power and, and toughness, you know? And like, against Trample on the backside too, so... Or yeah, it gives yeah. Trample as well. Yeah, I... I I agree. Like I, you look at this card and it looks very innocuous. It's a two, three for three mana. I mm -hmm. mean, we've like a lot of those. It just it doesn't look that powerful just when you look at it. But when yeah. you start to think about it, you're like, okay, this is actually a three, three haste for three, which that's yeah. already in the realm of playability. But then it provides an additional haste value on every successive turn to every next creature that you play. Um. And that that's where it starts to get out of control because, like you said, like with Chariot, that's six that's six power of cats. Plus, you've attacked for five with the Chariot, yeah. um, and you have Chariot for next turn because you you're playing an aggressive deck. So, I mean, honestly, if we think it out, and it's just this card into Chariot, if it's just Reckless Stormseeker into Chariot, what this is two power. That's three cats. That's six. That's uh, that's eight power. The Chariot itself essentially at or you know four more power that's 10 power and that's on turn four without any help now and we you think dealt, about standard and you've yeah. dealt 10 damage to your opponent if they don't have blockers the storm exactly. seeker attacked for for five three the first turn and two the second turn mm -hmm. and chariots attacked for five as well and yeah and you you effectively have you have eight power in play plus the ability to turn the chariot on um so that yeah i mean that that's that's kind of a, a really high power level and uh one of those cards that while it sits in play anything that you draw immediately becomes a threat mm -hmm. uh, which is which is impressive too like um i'm guessing i think elder gargaroth has rotated out of the format right is that yeah elder gargaroth is wrong is gone um but even just another card that i'm thinking it didn't even really quite crack the top 10 because it's Probably the most expensive card in standard is just the new Grave Titan, and that's uh Toblar's Huntmaster. And me and you know, me and BBD before the show when we were making this list, or at least going over it, this is a card we were just keeping outside of the list. But even that, like think if you just have 
this yep. creature in play and you play Huntmaster, you get the two twos and then you're attacking for six. And God forbid if it's nighttime, then it's a seven seven and you're attacking for nine with trample and you're gaining another two two. Like that's you're, that's absurd. You're gaining two of them, two more of them, right? Doesn't oh it? shit! Yeah, you create two more. Wow! Holy crap! That's absurd. <laughs> so if it's if it's already night and we have this storm charge slasher out and you play Tovlar's Huntmaster, the opposite side of it is Tovlar's Pack Leader. You are now getting that creature alone is nine power plus four two twos <laughs> at eight. So you're just putting fifteen power into play for six mana. Yeah. And basically what? I mean yeah that that's absurd. Yeah, like having access to cuz like so haste I think haste is the most powerful combat ability that exists in magic. I totally agree. Just maybe I the mean, best ability. Yeah. Like things like double strike have more like have a higher ceiling than haste yeah. or whatever or maybe flying is pretty damn good but yeah but haste is like basically by and by always good mm-hmm. and haste is sometimes almost like reducing the mana cost of a card you know it gets to yeah. attack a turn earlier than it normally would or activate abilities a turn earlier and stuff so yeah it not exactly like that that comparison doesn't exactly work but to some mm-hmm. extent it does like haste is just such a consistently insane ability um that sometimes i honestly wish they would print a little bit less haste because i feel like hate non-haste creatures like almost can never compete with haste creatures uh in a lot of ways i mean some of the haste creatures end up coming to the top like really quickly right goldspan dragon glory bringer these are just the first ones i think of and these were format defining cards so i'm with you Hazaret too being a big one oh, yeah. but yeah it's like the old hazarino yeah yeah haste i mean like you sometimes you have cards that look incredible and like really mediocre looking haste creatures end up being better than them just because of how good haste is yeah and so the value uh, one thing that is interesting um or powerful about this card is this card might allow for non-haste creatures uh, that are more generically powerful than their haste counterparts to actually be able to start seeing more play because yeah. he can give them haste. So, And I mean, one thing that we didn't even really <laughs> touch on too is like, this is not a legendary creature. So think about two of these cards, you know? That's not only giving multiple creatures haste, which doesn't come up that late, realistically, you know? Like late game, if you have two of these in play, you're probably not double spelling that consistently like maybe turn six ranger class plus azika's chariot sure you give or actually honestly that that's kind of cute is if you just have two of these and you go azika's chariot you can give some of the wolves or some of the cats haste i guess um but the the main point i'm getting across is it's not legendary so you can stack this ability and then in combat let's just say your opponent has a four 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 blocker moonvale region or something and you just have a 2-2 ranger class token that, you know, you have an upgraded ranger class or something. Just being able to give it two pumps to make combat even trickier, to make blocking even trickier for your opponent is another facet that's like, you know, not as valuable, of course, but that's another thing you can do with this card. Yeah, for sure. Like, you can just be like, all right, I'm going to send in a, a four power token with trample every turn against like a slightly bigger board. And it's like, 
your opponent has to take damage or trade down. It's certainly mm -hmm. valuable. Exactly. Okay, so I All think right. that does it for chatting with the first one. Now, when it comes to the second one, it is Arlen the Pax Hope. I think we talked about this BBD for like, you know, two or three podcasts. And I, I think, uh, do you want to explain what it does? Yeah, yeah, I'll read the card okay. out. Um, okay. So Ar Arlen the Pax Hope, two red-green, legendary Planeswalker Arlen. Uh, Daybound side is if... Um, well, do you want me to go over Daybound, Nightbound, or just ignore that? No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so Daybound is like the default side that it comes down on, and basically, uh, if a player casts no spells during their own turn, um, then it flips to... then it'll turn to nightbound and on the nightbound side um if a player casts at least two or more spells on on their own turn then it will flip to day on uh on the following turn so which which is something i learned today like we just it's something that you're not used to with like Huntmaster. is right i just played i just played two removal spells on ross's turn um to think you know, he's it not going to be able to do any nightbound shenanigans. And that's not how it works anymore. And that's kind of a big deal. It is a big deal. That That's very much a big deal that you can't double spell on your opponent's turn anymore to flip yeah. things. It, it Sometimes it makes your own cards worse. Like, for example, Huntmaster mm -hmm. the Fells was more of a controller mid-range card where your goal was to play Huntmaster. On the following turn, you didn't cast a spell to flip it. And then mm -hmm. you cast two instants on your opponent's turn to flip it back. Flip it back and get another 2-2 kind of thing, yeah. Right, and you can't do that anymore. Um, but it really punishes, like, control-type decks because now their desire to play um, magic on the opponent's turn doesn't turn it back to day. So um, they actually have to play tap more kind of a tap-out game, probably. But anyway, yep. let's. Uh, so that's that's Daybound Nightbound. So Arlen the Pax Hope. Uh, on the daybound side, starts with four loyalty, has plus one. Until your next turn, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. And each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, minus three, create two, two, two green wolf creature tokens. Now on the nightbound side, it's Arlen the Moon's Fury. Also four... Uh, loyalty plus two is add red green and zero is until end of turn arlen the moon's moon's fury becomes a five five werewolf creature with trample indestructible and haste yep and but yeah i agree with you we talked so we talked a lot about this card on our podcast last week um so i don't i don't think we need to rehash it but Corey and i both agree i think but brad i'm pretty sure does as well that this is likely to be one of the better cards um in in the format or in the yeah. set with that that's being what, said it does compete with a chariot so we'll mm -hmm. see but so that's what i was thinking is this gives you another option like you just play four chariots in these gruel decks and then i want to play like three arlens um but i think i remember seeing his top five list from scg and i don't think this card was on there so that's one big thing that i really want to talk about talk to brad about um, but but I think this card's gonna be super strong. <laughs> and the one thing that it curves really well to is creating the two two green wolves, right? Um, oh yeah, shoot, BBD. This this totally reminds me. One other thing we learned on versus is um 
the reckless storm seeker. Yep. Being able to go turn two pack leader. Remember that one? The green, green, three, three, wolf. Whenever you pack tag with six or more power, you draw a card. Oh, man, that's gross. Yeah, exactly. I think I, you, you see where we're going. Just <laughs> that into this is just the perfect curve to turn that on. Um, yep. And it just adds for some disgusting stuff. But Arlen's two ability, negative three ability to put two green wolves into play. Combos really well with the third card here on the list. Uh, yeah, BBD, I'll let you take that. Okay, so then number three on the list, we've got uh, Tovolar Dire Overlord. It's one red-green for a legendary creature human werewolf. Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more wolves and or werewolves, it becomes night. Then transform any number of human werewolves you control. So that's the daybound side. Now, the Nightbound side is Tovalar the Midnight Scour Scourge, legendary creature werewolf. Whenever a wolf, and it's a 3-3 three, three on the Daybound side, sorry. Whenever mm -hmm. a wolf or yep. a werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Um, and then X, red, green, target wolf or werewolf you control gets plus X plus O and gains trample until end of turn, 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, and this is just insane because here's the ability that I think is the best on this card. I, I I mean, it, it's honestly close because the 2-2 two, two Ranger class, you play that on turn two. If you're able to connect with that, being able to draw a card, if you can get in this, this into play, awesome. Wolfpack leader, same thing. If you're able to connect on turn three, once you play this, uh, you get to draw a card. I was really high on uh, Vorian. That is the vampire, one colorless black red creature that gains value after your cards connect as well. And it even gains you more value. You know, you get to look at the top X cards where X is how much damage you've dealt and kind of select a card to play. So that's a better ability. But when you play it, the reason I'm much lower on it now is just realizing that when you play that card, you don't get immediate value because it has to survive and then you connect. So with this card, just being able to get value, the turn you play it, as long as you have another wolf, um, which there's very clearly a Gruel Werewolf deck around here that is going to be extremely strong. But the ability that I love the most is the fact that it triggers on your upkeep. That if you control three or more wolves or werewolves, it just transforms right away. I think that is huge because it's not that hard to get a bunch of wolves. You have Ranger Class, you know, Wolf Pack Leader, Arlen, all these things, and Azika's Chariot to just copy wolves to make sure that unless the your opponent has went with like a mass removal spell you're probably gonna have three wolves especially in new standard where i think there's gonna be a lot of like cluttered combat um you know cluttered boards essentially yeah. if, if it if it actually becomes night that is huge because being able to have um something like your your reckless storm seeker being able to flip if that's in play and then being able to just play Tovlar's <coughs> Huntmaster, the gigantic six drop, and have it flip into that 7-7 seven, seven that could maybe attack right away. Like, all of these daybound synergies, daybound, nightbound synergies, it, it doesn't feel like on surface value you're going to be able to take advantage of them a lot, that they come in as night, right? It seems like this kind of random thing where it's just like, yeah, sure, your opponent didn't play a spell last turn because they were flooded. All of a sudden, it's nightbound, and now my creatures enter in on the backside. Cool. 
But this is one card that just grants that ability during your upkeep with a condition that you're already playing in a deck, right? You already want to get a mass amount of wolves and werewolves if you build it that way. And then being able to pair that with, you know, Tovalar's Huntmaster instead of, let's say, Goldspan Dragon, you'd probably have to choose at the top end, right? You can't play Renin 6, Goldspan Dragon, and Tovalar's Huntmaster. But if you're just a really werewolf, wolf uh, synergistic deck, I can see these daybound, nightbound things being completely obscene and the best thing you can be doing in standard. Yeah. Um, I. Well, for one, it's going to be nightbound more often than people think. Like, yeah. Uh, like, like when you play a game of magic, like sometimes games go long and things happen. You know, yeah. like what if it's like, you know, you're always thinking about like, OK, when I play this on turn three, my opponent's obviously going to play something on their turn three. Like, yeah, yeah. Almost every single time that will happen. Like maybe they're like mana screwed or something crazy happens and they don't have a spell to play. But like, yeah, 98 percent of the time. Yes, they'll play something like um, or 95 percent of the time or whatever it is like they're going to mm-hmm. cast something like. So, yeah, in that regard. Sure, like you're not going to get nightbound, but like games of magic sometimes go 10 turns, 12 turns. Like there's going to be some turns in there where nothing is cast and, and things flip to night. And then because the nature of the game is like people playing off the top or whatever it is, um, it's probably not going to flip back to day very easily. So you're going to you're going to end up like. Sometimes just casting this is on the night side or you play it on turn seven and your opponent draws another land. They can't play anything and it's flipped. Like, I don't know, like the people like I think there's a lot of underestimating on how often these cards will will flip. And you know, I I I agree that a lot of these red green cards, they they seem to work really well together. Yep. And individually. And that looks like the makings of what is probably gonna be a really, really good deck because and they there's so many of them are like drawing cards and stuff too. It's like mm-hmm. please, we don't want every green card to draw us cards. Like stop doing I that. I it's know too much. It, it's so crazy to me. Like I I was really I'm really optimistic about this set and I you know, our top four cards, spoiler alert, are good gruel cards. Okay, so that is a scary thing. And I yep. think the color pie should be a little more evened out in this set. And that would be my only complaint about this set, because otherwise, even out of the cards we've talked about, I'm not seeing the next Oko. I'm not I'm not even seeing a card better than Azekas Chariot, which I think is great. You know, like I do. Right. N- I do not think any of these cards are better than Azekas Chariot. And that card is already manageable. It's very good and it's very hard to deal with it because insert vehicle you know spiel because vehicles are fucking stupid and they're really tough to interact with but you know prismari command stuff like that is out there but i'm really just hoping some of these gruel cards either end up not being as good in practice or some of the other color pie ends up being good because otherwise this could just be you know not as bad as oko summer where it's just the same thing but it really could just be a gruel fest in standard right away and i just hope that's not the case yeah um same. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be like Oko. Like, Gruel at the very at the end of the day is going to be a aggro deck or a mid range deck or a mid range leaning aggressive deck. Those decks are always beat. Those decks have always been like 
beatable, you know, or yeah, whatever. Like Gruel, like Gruel was like a, a big part of Last Standard too. It was one of the better decks, and like, but it never felt like unbeatable. Um, and by the end, I don't know if you really saw this. By the end, Is It Control was a deck that just absolutely destroyed Gruel. It wasn't close. You know, it was yeah. just four Curabest, the Sea Gods, Yorian, a bunch of removal, Cinderclasms, Cinderclasms still around to deal with these Gruel cards, which will be good. You know, so I agree. Gruel is something that is manageable. Um, and I don't think there's any Planeswalker like Oko that's going to make the deck unmanageable. Like even the next Planeswalker we're about to talk about I could see actually not making the top 10 list if I had to redo this at the end of the set, you know, and, and I think that's good. That's what Planeswalkers should be. They should be, you know, and it still stuck with me what you've said, BBD. Planeswalkers should be this niche role kind of thing where they help out these specific game plans. And when they kind of do it all, like Chandra, Torture, Defiance, and Oko, that's what makes those decks far over the top the best thing you can be doing. Um, but you know, the next card, uh, that I'll let you take BBD, I, I, I think just costs too much and doesn't do enough to be breaking these decks, let alone maybe not even playing. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I want them to stop. I feel one last like rant, like if, if you have a card that's already a solid aggressive card on stats alone, just tacking on things like draw a card is like, it's too much. Like it, it, it is, it is just way too much. Um, yeah, like I think because, you could get rid of that wolf or werewolf line on this card, and this card's still going to be good. Maybe not, but maybe make it a three four or something. But what do you mean, wolf or werewolf line? Oh, the draw There's card. A... Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat to damage to a player, draw a card. If you take that out, maybe you got to add like a point of toughness to make it, um, you know, standard playable or standard like you know, actually seeing a lot of play. But I think that card would still see play without that line. It just makes it really good with that line. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would see play without that line, but yeah, I, I like, yeah, I just, I don't like provide other benefits is, is okay. Um, but drawing a card is something that is always good. Like there's never a point in a game where drawing a card is bad. Uh, whereas some other benefits that you can put on a card, what if like, you have zero cards in your library, Brian? Then drawing card is still great. <laughs> <for your opponent. laughs> yeah, you get out of this game sooner. <laughs> yeah, you, you're delay you, the you're, inevitable. <laughs> you're you get to end the misery of your 57 minute long game slightly <laughs> earlier. But it's like you could put making a token or you know like there's a bunch of other effects that you can put putting a counter putting a plus one plus one counter on or mm-hmm. like you know all these other things that you can do to cards um that those those types of things are are variable like sometimes they're not that good and sometimes they're really good um you know they yep. they have variance to them on as to whether or not they'll be something that's actually good and it reduces the power level of some of these cards a bit but putting draw a card on it, it will always be good and it's it i just i, I don't like it on yeah. i i like drawing cards of course i i mean obviously that that should be on cards and magic but they shouldn't be on creatures or planeswalkers though that's how i feel you know they can be like, on creatures too but they shouldn't be on creatures that are also just generically great aggressive yeah. creatures because that is oppressive then, yeah. then and that's what playing... leads to snowball magic. 
Yes, because then you're playing a card that it's like, I must answer this card immediately or my opponent will draw another card. You do answer that card. They play a second copy of it. You answer Mm -hmm. that. Then they play a three drop that is a different card that also must be answered or they draw a card immediately. And you this time you don't have the third removal spell and they start drawing cards and you can't win. And it's like, I I don't like that. I think that's that's too much. I wish they would stop doing that. But anyway, Mm -hmm. rant. That's my rant. Sorry. Yeah, I got to bring up one tweet from somebody who I love as far as a magic player. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've interacted slash played against him a lot is John Emmanuel Dupra. He had a tweet that I saw today that was just like the formats in magic that are the best are when you don't have to play your magic cards at the first opportunity every time. And I'm like, that is awesome. That is exactly what modern is right now. That's exactly kind of what Pioneer is right now. And that's why they're great formats. And that's exactly why Standard sucked this last, towards the end. Uh, You know, I mean, the the Standard set, you can all argue it it was ever adapting. The metagame was flowing. There were a lot of different decks. That's true. But it sucked because it was the same thing. You had to be answering Edgewell Innkeeper, you're buried. You had to be, you know, answering X, Y, or or you're getting buried. And like, yeah. But yeah, that's the end of my round. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with this tweet. And I'll briefly mm-hmm. shout him out. I, I think uh, I think he is like the epitome of, of um, you know, what a pro Magic player should be like. Like mm-hmm. he's, I don't know, he's a great player. Uh, yep. He plays, he plays fast, he plays crisply. But he's also... Uh, he just genuinely has a great attitude about stuff. He's 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 a very pleasant opponent. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I, I really like uh, John Emanuel quite a bit. And I, and I thought I, I saw that tweet earlier today and I also <laughs> agreed with it. So, yeah. And even seeing his like interviews, you know, this uh, he just made it to the world championship. I'm not sure if you followed. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah. Like right at the end, you know, and he's like in interviews talking like, you know, I don't I don't feel like I'm part of this elite class. You know, I'm making mistakes through these events. I see the people I look up to that don't make mistakes. He's like, you know, I, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep working at it. And then, you know, four rounds later, keys for worlds and stuff. And it, and it led for an awesome story. So, yeah, big fan of John Emmanuel Dupra as a commentator, as a player, as a as a just a human being. So I, I totally agree. This this podcast should be just about john emmanuel de is how much i like the dude. <laughs> yeah, we're now the uh john emmanuel de bros podcast now yeah. he's uh, one of the I, top 10 john emmanuel de i've ever played against in my entire life as well he's definitely not an honorable mention when it comes to john no. emmanuel's in magic it's not for sure he's, he's, he's in that sure. he's definitely top 10 maybe mm-hmm. not number one but he's he's at least top 10 yeah, yeah i will I mean, say we don't that... want to bury ourselves with those uh you know locked in analysis exactly points. But yeah i agree yeah i will say i disagree with the statement that those other top players aren't making mistakes they definitely are too but yeah I mean, it's I think definitely about, yeah the the self-deprecating a little bit you know uh right. and the, the modesty a little bit i i think for sure kicks in for anybody at that level who's hungry you know and that's just him to a t so <laughs> i just ate so <laughs> i haven't been hungry in years all right we got <laughs> ren and seven <laughs> that is three green green for a legendary planeswalker Ren, five loyalty, plus one, reveal the top four cards of your library, put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Zero, put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped, minus three, 
Create a green and treefolk creature with reach, and this creature's power and toughness are both equal to the number of lands you control. Minus eight. Return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with you have no maximum hand size. Yeah. And and like oh, I think we alluded to this last week, but it's like all these green things are like you have to you have to include no maximum hand size because green draws so many cards. And reach. You know what? And yeah. reach. Every green card secretly has reach. We literally found this out on the podcast when I like Ross made or not on the podcast on versus when Ross made it. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to attack my gold span into it. And I was like, what? This has secret reach like every green creature ever at five <laughs> mana. Like, what the hell? They all have secret yeah. reach, except for some of them that, that don't have reach, but they do reach around. So that's that's, of course, true. That's, of course, <laughs> yeah. true. And you know what, Brian, I didn't want to make this joke again. I really didn't. I really didn't want to make this joke on the podcast again. But our good buddy Steve from the cast and crew just really wanted me to make it again because it's his favorite by far. Um, can can I ask you a question, Brian? Absolutely. Why is Renan seven? Right. Why is Renan six afraid of no, Renan seven? No, <laughs> no, no. Oh, <okay. laughs> no absolutely not i know okay, we okay, we do okay. embrace over beating dead horses and overusing jokes on the bachelor's podcast but I'm that sorry. one not again it was it was a request from steve okay it wasn't <laughs> he said it was the worst joke he'd ever heard in his entire life so i wanted to i, I wanted I to bring to, it up again so i have to yeah. agree it was it was it was not an honorable mention it made the bottom 10 jokes i've ever heard in my life well you mean the not so. top 10 yeah, the not top ten. Yeah, it made okay, it. All right, all right. I won't. I won't bring up the joke again. But how about this? One last thing I want to say about the card is we talked about its interaction with Azika's chariot, and I think it's another card that I think is kind of being slotted out as far as how many good Gruel playables there are. You know, like if we're adding, yeah. I think when we were really talking about the Gruel decks, one card that was not included in the deck, I think it was already spoiled. We were just completely oblivious to it. Was the card we were talking about right away, Reckless Stormseeker. When you're getting all of these um, gruel cards into a deck, especially if it's going to be a wolf werewolf theme, I don't think this deck can even be played at all. And if you're not going with the werewolf wolf uh, theme, is it better than Goldspan Dragon? So as much as it really synergizes with Azika's Chariot, it doesn't feel like it totally has a home to me in these lists. Maybe a list like three Goldspan Dragon, two Ren and Seven, as your top end in the non-werewolf list, I think that can be viable, but I, I'm not even sure about that. So this is one card that I have rated in fourth that I could see being out of the top 10 um, after playing the set for a little bit. So that's all I want to say on that card. I don't think that this card will see play in Gruul. I do think that... Really? Um, I do think that there might be some sort of a Golgari or Sultai style of deck where this card would be phenomenal. With, um, with the Zika's Chariot still, but just not with all these good red cards, essentially. Basically, like some sort of a mid-range defensively or a graveyard-based strategy. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see Ren with, with, with Gruul because only one ability like matters, really, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the other abilities... Like the plus one, it's like yeah, you'll 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 get more lands, but um, once you're at the point where you're up, you've already cast your five drop. Yes, more lands are always useful. Like you know, you can use the backside of Tovalar to to Wolf Run, or 
you know, they make maybe the put, tree folk bigger and yeah, yeah, make the tree folk bigger and stuff like that. But at the same time, like that's not really like what you want to be getting out of a planeswalker, I think. Yeah. So, um, not that it's bad, but really like the minus three make a tree folk is like the good ability on this card. And I, uh, I don't know that, you know, like making a, a vanilla four, four or five, five or whatever. Probably and then, a four, four actually, you know, with maybe. ramp creatures and cobras and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Like making a vanilla four, four or five, five, and then not really doing anything for another two or three turns before doing it again. I don't know if that's going to be enough. I, I would suspect that there's better options. I don't know if Goldspan is is I that doesn't seem that great to me in a style of deck either. Um maybe just because it has haste, but like honestly, like I, I would like Gargaroth would be the card that I would want to play if I was playing this deck. Now I know it doesn't exist anymore, but mm. if you were maybe playing Abzan or maybe Huntmaster. No, if I'm playing Gruel. Like mm. because you have that card that gives creatures haste. You're playing more of a thicker, slower mid like a deck. You know, like there's going to be a lot of games where it's like you play a two drop, it gets killed. You play a three drop, it gets killed. You play a chariot, they play something that makes it so your chariot trades or what, you know, like that kind yeah. of a game of magic. And then it's like you play a dragon and you attack for four and your opponent drops to 16 life and you can't really capitalize on the extra mana of the treasures that well um then i don't know I, I feel like you haven't done that much where mm -hmm. you know if, if instead you're playing a gargaroth or or something along those lines i feel like that's a little bit more impactful like i i think i i could see ren being better than than dragon but i also i i like i would have to want to look through the other uh five drops that exist or yeah. even just playing more four drops like arlen um I, I i would imagine that that's probably better but we'll see i don't know yeah this is a card i had really high early on in my list and i agree though i am getting much further down on it um you know especially with good ways to deal with planeswalkers burning hands is still going to be a four of or a three of in every sideboard so yeah i i'm with you i think this card could be much lower on my list I think it's an incredible value mid-range card, especially in a deck that has access to flashback cards or uses this graveyard in some way um, mm -hmm. and has gets value out of the extra lands. Like, if, the, if, if there's a Simic deck with a bunch of flashback cards and all runs Epiphany, mm -hmm. Renan 7 could be incredible in that kind of a... You know, like that... Yeah. Those are the kinds of places where I, I think... Um, and it could still be good in Gruul, too. Like, it is just a generically powerful card, but... I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, if you're copying five fives for free with Chariot, it's hard to argue that it's going to be bad because you play this and you're adding 10 power to the battlefield immediately with that card. But right. if games don't play out that way, if removal is, you know, easy to bounce stuff, like that's the, the texture of the format scenario that we don't know yet. Um, so, so this one's hard for me to evaluate. So we'll, time will tell on that one. Yeah, like and, they, they killed your Chariot or you didn't have a Chariot or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and we'll the crazy see. thing is time will tell literally when this podcast comes out. It's it's available on Arena already. So y'all can be going out and testing our theories immediately and then tweet at us and be like, you idiots, that <laughs> card doesn't even work like that or something, you know? <laughs> you absolute buffoon. All right, let's yeah. go to the next card. Let's we got, it. Uh, we have Fateful Absence, one and a white instant. 
Destroy target creature or planeswalker. Its controller investigates, which is creating a colorless clue artifact token with two sacrifices artifact to draw a card. Oh, yeah. Clues are back. And this is one of the most impressive pieces of unconditional removal that we got. You know, I mean, not being able to deal with um, Azekas Chariot. I think that's that's a big deal. But I think if you can pair this card with a Naya Shell that plays Showdown, uh, a bunch of value stuff. Brad actually wrote about this in his article. It, it was a really good article if you want to check that out. Or if you can just, you know, pair this as maybe your mono white snow deck that really needs to get rid of some tricky threats and then just get through damage for the rest, like a really hyper aggressive white deck. I can see that being good in. This is another one of those cards that's in the middle ground for me, BBD, where I think it it reads like it's really good, but it it can have some awkward spots. And I even played some games with this card today where I was dealing with some creatures when we were kind of in a draw-go stalemate, and that treasure was a liability. So this is another card I can see skyrocketing to the top of my list, or I can see it being not even in the top 20. What, what do you think? How do you value this one? So I think it's a top 10 card. It, it, it's yeah. on the same level as Declaration in Stone. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's... it's now, I wouldn't say functional, but it's it's obviously uh, from that same... It's cut from that same cloth. It's Declaration in Stone. Yeah. And that card was uh, was good. Like, it was hit or miss. There were times where it, you hated to have it. Um, but there are also times where it saved you. Now, the ceiling on Fateful Absence is much lower than Declaration in Stone. Like, you're not going to get those blowouts where you exile 10 tokens or you... Uh, hit two copies of a creature and blew your opponent out. But the upside or like the floor is significantly higher where it's an instant, which is a big difference. I mean, it hits planeswalkers instead of just creatures uh, and so on. So, you know, it's it it has a, it has it's not quite on the same power level as declaration. Um, and I don't know if that means it's better or worse, but it's just not quite the same. But I think even being in that conversation means it's, it's probably going to be a top 10 card because it's just a uh, unconditional removal spell. So I, I think I think it's quite good. And, you know, we talked about this earlier, but there's so many ways to draw obscene amounts of cards and magic that giving yeah. your opponent an extra card draw sometimes does not matter because they already can draw as many cards as they'd ever want to draw. Like, yeah. Which is, I think that's stupid. I don't like that magic is that way, but sometimes that just doesn't, like, older formats, that's a massive drawback. You couldn't play this card. But yeah, nowadays, I I, nowadays, the drawback on that card, like, it, it's significantly lower. I, I mean, it's probably the lowest it's ever been in terms of relevancy. Because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, they draw another card. It's like, they drew five cards last turn. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care they could draw another card and um and the power level of cards is so high that sometimes your opponent can draw five cards and it's still not better than the one card you have so yeah yeah um yeah i i i think this card will be quite good because of those reasons yeah so i i will agree with you and i think the one <laughs> last thing that i want to add about this card 
that worries me about it is a lot of the cards that are going to see play and even some of the cards that we just talked about um, come with like, you know, Azika's Chariot, Arlen, um, Glorybringer, that even if you deal with these cards with this card, not only are they getting a clue, they're getting other things with it. So like now in the texture of standard, all of a sudden it's like, it's not a clean answer to the biggest threats in the format like where they're still getting value out of them. Like this card doesn't answer Zizika's Chariot at all. I mean, of course it does once they crew, but only if they crew when you have a colorless and a white mana open, knowing that they could deal with it. And then if they just don't crew all of a sudden, now are you going to leave that mana open again? Maybe, maybe not. Either way, you're tying up your mana. Goldspan Dragon, if you target it, uh, even if they get rid of it, well, you got Lotus Petal now, now to go with. And Arlen, yeah, if you if you deal with that, they had two wolves to go. So it I think it depends for me what the threats are gonna look like. And if they're threats like Moon Veil Regent, you know, uh one of the cards we're gonna be talking about a little bit later, great. You know, that deals with it. They get a treasure as this card was to be intended. But if you're dealing with it and they're leaving behind so much stuff. It doesn't seem as good to me. So that's where I'm worried about this card. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. it, it's not that the card is bad. It's that removal su removal is bad. Like, against yeah, Planeswalkers and against value cards, you know, ma like, ma magic is just in a spot where removal is not what it used to be. And, I mean, I can already see it. I mean, you could probably see it, too. Shaheen Sarani passing the turn with the fateful absence in hand. His opponent's werewolves all switched <laughs> to, to the to the nightbound side because he didn't yeah. cast a spell. Uh -huh. And and then they choose to not crew the chariot into his obvious removal spell, and he's <laughs> he he can't possibly win the game. Like I yeah, can already see only, that. Like and the only thing they play that turn is a planeswalker, which then generates the or which is Azika's chariot, which will give them wolves. But even with, you know, the three drop that gives it haste, um, the reckless storm seeker out chooses not to crew, you know, to play around it and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I see the Shaheens <laughs> of the world being very hyped about this card to start and then really low on it. And I do not think it's a control card in any way, shape or form. I think it's going to be a value like an Abzan midrange deck or something with showdown that those seem like the homes for me. And I'm still iffy on it. So I, if I had to guess right now, I would say Ren and Seven. I would put like <coughs> eighth or something on the list after I've played with the set. And if I would have to guess, I would put Faithful Absent, uh, Absent uh, out of the top ten would be my guess. But I'm putting it here now because it seems like it should be good. Uh, but we'll see. So yeah, I mean, I I, I don't I agree. Like this isn't doesn't scream control card to me like control yeah. is trying to go toe to toe with the opponent on card advantage giving your opponent extra cards not great mm -hmm. removal spells that are one for one not going to cut it in today's environment but where declaration and stone saw play in the past and where i could see this card also see play was like you said like the naya style deck Declaration and Stone was incredible as a removal spell in decks that didn't have access to other removal spells that were good. Yeah. And that were able to use it to oftentimes clear the way for their own creatures to win. Um yeah. and, and sometimes the tempo from that was too much to where even drawing the card wasn't enough time to complete. They didn't 
have enough time to come back from it. Um, and and so like white white aggro or Naya or something like that, I, I could see it being being great there. All right. Next card is Memory Deluge, two blue blue instant. Look at the top X cards of your library where X is the amount of mana spent to cast a spell. Put two of them into your hand and the rest on the, on the bottom of your library in a random order. Flashback, five blue blue. Yeah, so this card is, uh, you know, a lot of people are comparing it to a factor fiction. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as that on the front side, but with the flashback, you know, it adds that extra layer to it. And then flashback for seven, you're essentially dig through timing, you know? Yeah. So that is pretty insane. Also paired pretty well with um, smoldering egg, you know, thing in the egg down there, just being able to actually just pay the seven mana to flashback this. You can then flip it. Plus smoldering egg is pretty nice when you just play that card into, let's say, Prismari command into memory deluge. All of a sudden you flip it right there and you go to town. So that kind of stuff is pretty cool as well as, you know, the flashback itself, just straight up flipping it. So if there's a spell, if there's a deck like that, that takes advantage of those cards, you know, this is going to look unbelievable. I also think there is going to be some nice Demir control decks where you're, where you're wondering, do they have a counter spell? Oh, you didn't play one memory deluge. You know, if any kind of blue deck like this, any kind of blue control deck is actually going to be around. It's going to be with this card. And I can also see it being paired with um, the new Dragonlord Ojitai. I forget what it's called. Imareth, I think. Um, you know, if it's just that kind of style of blue deck where you're just playing the, the dragon as your win con, bunch of removal <coughs> spells, memory deluges, maybe Shadow's Verdict if you're kind of a Demir deck. You know, who knows? This card, I think, could be a big player if control is viable. And then outside of that, I think this card is, if we look into modern, this card with Wilderness Reclamation, fan me down. This is this is one for that deck. One one for the ages, you know? I think this is one of the few cards that I think is just a modern, you know, I wouldn't say all-star, but we'll go into modern if, uh, if Wilderness Reclamation decks are playable. Yeah, this card is uh is is on a a very very high power level. It really um, is. It, it 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 it's reminiscent to me of Into the Story. Like Into the Story was the card that made rogues playable. Mm -hmm. Um like without is that the name of the card Into the Story? Am I remembering Yeah, that? yeah, that's okay. the draw for. Yeah, for some reason like my mind was blanking on that. But yeah, so like Into the Story that was the card that made rogues playable because you played all these cards that were of okay value on their own, but you know, they produced the value to make into the story disgustingly good. Mm -hmm. And that was a tier one deck for a very long time. So, and, and it was because of the power level of into the story almost entirely. So yeah. Memory deluge without having to go through hoops to make it work is I want to say on the same power level as into the story. I mean, instead yeah. of drawing four cards, you're, you're, you're getting two out of the top four that you, of your choice. But you so, can play anything, you know? But yeah, you don't have to do work to do to set it up. And once you're flashbacking, like you said, it's, it's dig through time. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and that will happen. Like you're going to, if you're playing a deck that's has the luxury to cast a four mana draw card, 
spell on turn four, you're probably pairing it with a lot of cheap interaction uh, yep. or or ways to to make sure that you're not dead to Tovalar, di- you know, dire overlord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're you're going to have time to flash it back in a lot of games, um, and and it's really powerful. So yeah, no, I I, I think that this card is. This is the exciting card to me for if you're a control player. Like, oh yeah, this is the one that that's getting your Jimmy's rustled. So yeah, I, I think that uh, <laughs> I think that this is I, I don't know I I'm I'm just kind of blathering on right now. But that's because yeah, you love it. You're 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 excited. This card's gonna bring you back. No, honestly, I'm the only home I that I can see for sure right now that it goes in is that kind of style of is it duck. I think uh, smoldering egg with this. Goldspan Dragon, Allrun's Epiphany, um, maybe Galazad Fre- Prismari. You forgot Pop, Pop it, the Poppet guy. You're right, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you are so uh, correct. I totally forgot, forgot that card. You forgot Poppet Stitcher. Yeah, yeah. Still, still not also, adding it to you the You also list. forgot Moonvale Regent, too. Hmm. Or we haven't gotten there yet, so. Yeah, correct, correct. But I can see this in Is It or Demir as of right now um, as a thing that could pop up. But you know what? Honestly, I could see this if a blue-white deck is possible with Doomscar, Memory Deluge, um, you know, just as a control deck. I, I mean, it seems crazy to think of now because I don't know what else would be paired with it, but like four of this, four Doomscar ways to win the game maybe you can fill the the um you know fill in the pieces around that and make a control shell i still kind of doubt it because you know wrath of god effects have not really been that good in standard and largely because of Ezekiel's chariot and planeswalkers at least in this standard but i i could see that being a thing yeah i mean i think that this card pairs really well with wrath effects in general but wrath effects don't pair very well with your opponent playing vehicles and planeswalkers. So we'll, well see. said. <laughs> All right. Next card is bloodthirsty adversary. One in a red creature vampire two two haste. When bloodthirsty adversary enters the battlefield, you may be, you may pay two in a red any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one plus one counters on bloodthirsty adversary. Then exile up to that many target instant and or sorcery cards with mana value, free or less from your graveyard, and copy them. You may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana costs. Yeah, so this is another really strong card. We talked a lot about this, so we're not going to stress on it too much. But the more I've been playing with it, the more I am kind of going away from like a mid-range shell of this. I think this deck is going to find a home in either, for sure, a mono red deck, we, me and Ross played this on versus, and there's actually a decent amount of tools. There's some decent one drops, some really strong um, two drops. You know, there's Channeler, there's Bloodthirsty Adversary, and then, you know, there is the, there's Reckless Stormseeker, which is just excellent in this. There's Moonvale Regent, which we're going to talk about next. And then there's good burn spells. You know, you got Magic Missile, you have Royal Eruption that just basically incinerate with Kicker um you know you have the one mana shock play with fire there's tools that that mono red deck is already going to want to play as far as burn spells go so i think that's going to be a natural inclusion and then the other thing that i think is possible if there is a a possibility at all is maybe some kind of delver deck with adversary 
and like a bunch of spell rounds, <coughs> you know, like spike field hazard as helping out your mana base and just like those two cards and maybe gold span dragon as your threats. I'm way more skeptical about that because I just don't think Delver is a playable magic card in standard. But those are the kind of homes that I find this card in. And I think both decks uh, could be decent. I will. I am going to go on record. I don't think this card will be good. Yeah. You don't think so? I don't. I uh, yeah. I don't. I think it. I think 2-2 two, two haste for two isn't good enough on its own. Mm-hmm. I think frequently it's going to run into a brick wall of a three toughness green creature. And or I believe, yeah, or yeah, and I believe that once you're getting to five mana, a three three haste that recasts a burn spell is not enough value uh, to overcome the number of times that you're going to want to cast this on turn three or four, and it's going to be really awkward at that at that point in the game. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, this is right. basically really think so, yeah. it's it's basically a decent card on turn two, and it's a decent card on turn five, and it's kind of ass any other time. So I don't know. I I I just I plus you have to have the spell in your yard, which mm-hmm. if you're curving out as a red deck, maybe you haven't cast a spell yet. I don't know. I I yeah. I'm just gonna I I'm gonna go on record and say that I I'm not seeing it with this card. And I could very well be proven wrong, but yeah, I don't. I don't think this one's going to be that good. I honestly could see it. You know, we've been. I've been at least talking about uh, cards that I wouldn't be shocked to see at the top of the list or at the bottom of the list. This one, I'd be shocked to see at the top. I, I much more think it's going to remain right here, or it's going to be off the list as well um, once we get into the real world. But you know, I, I see this being paired up against um, the one thing that I do like, at least maybe even for just a configuration. I think the the home that makes sense the most is mono red because like post board against a Zika's chariot deck, the only way you really win is kind of like magic missling Magdas and Jaspera Sentinels as like a two for one or something. And then maybe being able to on turn five, do the same thing, kill a bunch of small creatures. You know, that, that deck's probably going to play Magda and Cobra. And then we'll have other two drops, two toughness creatures that you can two for one with magic missile. And maybe, you know, that's where you find the home for this kind of card. But I, I totally agree. I could see it. I could see it being completely unplayable as well. Yeah. And I could be wrong. Like I could very easily be wrong. But it would take I think it takes a a red deck, a, probably a mono red deck that's uh because usually usually once you're getting into a red green deck, you're you're not playing that many spells. But yeah, once yeah, I don't think it's a world card, right? Once you're playing, it's going to take some sort of a mono red deck that is is good and a format where being able to you're where it, it could be consistently a good attacker as mm-hmm. a two two, and consistently um, the spells that you're getting back with it are are, are com- like board relevant. Yeah. And just when I see all these like three toughness guys in green, uh, not guys, but creatures, sorry mm-hmm. for my slip there. Um, I'm not saying, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I could be wrong. And, and if green, if these green decks aren't good, then this card would be great. Like this card would have been maybe. amazing against, maybe. against like some, <laughs> this card would have been awesome against like some of the, like maybe like the Naya decks of last format where you had a lot of cards like innkeeper and, 
clarion spirit and stuff like mm-hmm. that where it's like you actually are getting some pretty good value out of the card and it can attack a couple of times yeah um but i don't know we'll see all right but next yeah, card you, you compare that at five mana to gold spam as well <laughs> and it's like i know what i'd rather be casting so i'm with you yeah all right we got moonville regent three and a red creature dragon four four flying when you whenever you cast a spell you may discard your hand if you do, draw a card for each of that spell's colors. When Moonvale Moon Regent dies, it deals X damage to any target, where X is the number of colors among permanents you control. Yeah. I think this card is very good. Yeah, um, I can easily see this card being better than Bloodthirsty Adversary, and we, you know, maybe put it, put it that way beforehand, but yeah, agreed. So, I think this card is incredible, and... Mostly because it is going to get you a lot of value, like no matter what, to be to be honest. Mm-hmm. So you cast it; it's already a four four flyer for four, which is not bad. Like pretty yeah. pretty solid on rate, even if you have to play defense with it. And it's a dragon, if, so it can't get power word kill. Like that's a relevant creature type as well. Yep. And if they uh, if they deal with it immediately, um and you and one damage isn't relevant that's probably the worst case scenario mm-hmm. so <clears throat> um i guess it doesn't count itself does it i don't know maybe i'm misunderstanding how that works uh i think it does but i i could be wrong i'm not 100 <clears throat> percent. so if it does not count itself as a color uh as a permanent color which i guess since it wouldn't be on the battlefield anymore yeah, it would not it count itself it makes sense that it would yeah so then i guess it I guess when it dies immediately, it's not going to do anything. So that makes it a little bit worse than I was originally thinking. But, uh, you know, like if you have two colors of permanence in play, like if you if you have a, a Gallus Zeth Prismari in play and then this thing dies, like you're dealing two damage. Mm-hmm. Two damage is a relevant amount of damage. Like at, sure. at worst, it's probably killing a, a token or something. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that that that's a baseline level there right i think that's like a solid card mm-hmm. and then i think the ability is very good uh because there's gonna be a lot of games where you're hellbent and anytime you cast any spell you can discard your hand of zero cards and draw at least one card and so. you can you can live the dream and go moonvale region in historic into niv mizzet discard your hand draw five cards got oh yeah bang and then you draw six cards off your niv mizzet and then you discard, discard three, three to hand, to hand size. size yeah exactly i mean uh, that's the ideal world uh, oh. you just mulligan down to like four whatever the perfect card allows you to just go moonvale region into niv mizzet be handless because if you if you do not have a hand you still get to just say yes i discard my hand and draw that many cards right yeah yeah so it, you yeah you can say like yeah you're like okay discard my hand cool i don't have any cards in my hand and that's that's what makes it great. Like you you cast a spell, um, you know, like you you're you're you can engineer the way you play the game to set mm-hmm. that ability up. And, you know, and you're like, okay, my last spell is this Prismari command or whatever. I'm discarding zero cards. I'm going to draw two cards, then resolve the command. You know, like yeah. So, or I don't know. honestly, what another thing I'm thinking, like, kind of just thought of this now, like. What if you do something disgusting like thrilling discovery, you know, like the turn after you play this, discard two cards, 
what I think that card draws draws three, right? Like if you if you play that as an additional cost, uh, all of a sudden you're you you discard your hand because you just discarded most of it to that card. Draw two, and then Thrilling Discovery draws you three. Like all of a sudden, for two mana, you're drawing five cards. That's that's kind of gross. Yeah. What 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 is Thrilling? What is the mana cost on Thrilling Discovery? Is it red white? Just red white. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, that that's really strong. I agree. Like, I I I see this card being, and like that would actually be a great example of the style of card that I would want to play in some sort of a Moonveil Regent deck because yeah. I think you want to play something like a Jeskai control deck. Like this is a card that I think is a control card. You think so? Um, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely think this is a control card. And not like not like uh you know, hold a million counter spells control, but like like tap out, yeah. Yeah, or I don't know, like uh foretell a bunch of cards and then all of a sudden you can do cool things. Ooh, like Yeah. I don't know. And it's like, another card that goes really well with Dragonfire. And I think Dragon's Dragon's Fire, you know, the the Incinerate, but if you have a dragon equal to their power and toughness, it deals that much. Where Goldspan Dragon was really the only one. If you're playing this with Goldspan Dragon, all of a sudden, just two mana deal four damage at instant speed at somewhat consistency is a real thing as well. Like, and if you're in a Jeskai kind of tap out control deck, you would probably still be playing Goldspan Dragon and stuff too. So you know, yes, I, yeah. there there's something there. Dragons fired this Goldspan Dragon. Thrilling Discovery, I think, is something that could just be cute, but could be really awesome. You know, that naturally that color pie of Boros leads you to showdown as well. Now we're getting kind of a clunky deck all of a sudden. So that's probably not great. But um, you know, there there's something there for this card, and I wouldn't be too shocked if someone breaks it. And and even, you know, Reckless Storm Seeker into this, attack for five is still a thing too if you want to be a little bit more aggro and something that we were doing today on versus in a mono red deck you know so i think there's applications across different things and this card was quite quite good in a mono color deck even you know so there's a way to have this be you can play a two color deck and and you can get three damage out of its uh death trigger there's a card okay let you do that what is it? That card is called Poppet Stitcher. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> yes. Okay, but there's also Suspicious Stowaway if you're trying to trying to be a smart ass, bro, because it's a green card on the backside. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, good. But that's true. Wait, well now we it could be Oh wait, no, this Poppet Factory is still blue on the other side. But it makes black zombies. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, so now we're talking about a deck for four, and we're just a blue-red deck. I mean, we are we might be onto something. I mean, I literally am planning on building that deck. Yeah. So. <laughs> Poppet now, Stitcher, Moonveil, Regent, and a bunch of cheap interactive spells. And then if we play Yorian as a companion, that's the white card to deal the full five. Oh, my goodness. We've done it. We've absolutely somehow Corey, done it. somehow Corey once again convinced me to play Yorion in a deck that <laughs> there was Yorion Rogues, Yorion Gruel. Now, yes. now we got Yorion this uh, too much. It's like Oko Burn. Once, once we got <laughs> to Oko Burn, it was like, all right, science has gone too far. Ban that card. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Speaking of science going, probably the exact right amount. We got Briar Bridge Tracker. <laughs> that's two and a green. Creature, human scout. Vigilance. When Briar Bridge Tracker enters the battlefield, investigate, uh, which is making a clue token. Mm -hmm. And then as long as you control a token, Briar Bridge Tracker gets plus two plus O, oh, and it's a two three. So yeah. this isn't this is yeah. a card where I'm okay with green being able to draw cards for what Same. it's worth. Same. Yeah, it's not quite as good as Tireless Tracker or, you know, maybe it's comparable power level, but, uh, you know, even Tracker in this metagame, I don't, I don't know if it would be insane. It would probably still be good, but, you know, being able to draw a card here. Now, the thing that is pretty insane is I, I feel like it's, it's a new standard format, but a same story. It'd be like, this dies to stomp, but instead of that, be like, this works insanely well with a Zika's Chariot. This is another one yep. of those three drops where... You played on three, Azika's Chariot on four. Um, you know, you can not only copy the investigate, you can copy the clue, but you can also at some point, even if you've gotten rid of your clue, or let's say you play Azika's Chariot on four, turn five, you can just go Briar Bridge Tracker, crew it because it is a four three, even if for whatever reason your clue got destroyed because the cats would be tokens. And then you copy a clue and then sack a clue. And then you start your next turn with six mana and a clue in play with the ability to clone it again with Azekas Chariot to keep the card draw going. So I think that's the only aspect that makes this card good, like actively good. I think it would just be okay if it's just the other stats it had. Maybe we'd see it in a Golgari kind of mopey mid-rangey deck. But with Chariot, I, I do think this card's going to be quite good. But now we're getting to the point where, like, this one is not a wolf. This one's not a werewolf, so it cannot be played in the Tovalar deck, I imagine. So now it's like, how are we building these Gruul decks at this point? Because there's so many cards uh, to be adding in. It's like, this Tracker version is going to look really good with Jaspera Sentinel, Cobra, Magda, this, Azigas Chariot, maybe Renin 7, if that is going to be a playable card. Uh, and then maybe Arlen just as a good card, but it's not going to be the Tovalar uh, Wolf Pack Leader Ranger class Arlen, you know, and then Tovalar's Packmaster type of deck. So it's yeah. going to be interesting. We have two very good Gruul decks that I think both are going to be extremely competitive, but they're going to be different. Yeah, there's Value Gruul. That's the yep. that's the like Sentinel Tracker, um, you know, maybe Showdown of the Skulls like style yep. deck. And then there's uh, then there's like beef Primal beef rule. aggro yeah. rule, and that's like uh, that's just I like big aggro decks. Like when I say big aggro, I mean not like the mono red style where all your creatures are really small and fast, but yes. more like each creature can be a standalone threat, and you play them up the curve. So there's there's like the beef aggro rule, and there's that. So I yeah, I think this fits more into the non beef version, but it could still be very good in the beefy version. I mean. It yeah. is a four power attacker for three mana. Vigilance um, too. That's a big deal. Yeah, vigilance too. So it's no it, haste, it can also, but you know, it can also trade defensively with a uh, with a chariot too, if need be. Yeah. I mean, you don't want your opponent to attack with chariot, but it will happen in a lot of games. So I think that um, I think this card is very good, and and I don't think, but I don't think it's on an annoyingly oppressive level of good because it doesn't have. You know, like some of these other cards, like Tovalar, like yeah. the ceiling on that card is disgusting because yeah. you could be drawing like there's there's no bound to how many cards you can be drawing off that. I mean, the 
the bound is your opponent's dead because they took too much damage. Like, yeah, no, I agree, wh- and that's why. Whereas I this card, you, oh god, this card you get to draw one card. Once you've drawn your card, you're done, yep. and it becomes smaller, presumably from you having drawn the card. And now that's where the fun begins because you can you can get it back to a four three in a bunch of other ways with other types of tokens and stuff. That's why I think this is I really like the design of this card. I think it's a really well designed card. Me too. And then you get the decision point of like, you know, I even had this come up today when I was playing this card. I was like, do I want to sack the clue or do I want to wait to make sure I get damage in next turn? But if I draw a land, then I can play my big card and then I don't have time to sack the clue. If I don't draw a land, then I feel stupid for not sacking the clue. And it, it leads to interesting points in the game, which is why I love this card as well. But also, if I'm about to try to win a tournament, I'm going to be looking at Tovlar, Dire Overlord, to be an auto-include in my uh, Gruul Werewolf deck, where this is a card I'm like, yeah, if I got some room, you know, this might be the last threat I play. Um, but, you know, exactly the reasons you were talking about, it 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 doesn't draw a card right when it comes into play, and <coughs> it doesn't quite have the same power level, so... Yeah, I think this card yeah. will be good, and I do think it'll see play, but I don't think it'll be breaking anything. And speaking of the last threats you play, this will be the last threat you ever play. Yeah. Why? I butch- I butchered that joke. I was sorry. I was going to say, speaking of threats, this will be the last threat you ever play. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's still, what I meant to say. <laughs> that is what I meant to say. But I, I of course fucked it up. All right. Our yeah, last card. Thank you, Gore. Our last card is Smoldering Egg. One and a red. Creature, dragon, egg. So it is a dragon. Uh, Defender, 0-4. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a number of ember counters on Smoldering Egg equal to the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. Then if Smoldering Egg has seven or more ember counters on it, remove them and transform Smoldering Egg. And the other side is... Ashmouth Dragon, Creature Dragon 4-4, flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Ashmouth Dragon deals two damage to any target. Yeah, so, I mean, the one thing that I've always been taught is you never go ash to mouth, but you know what? I guess this card is just breaking all the molds here. (laughs) I wanted to make that joke for so many days, but I was on live on Versus Live. I was like, can't do it there, but podcast, let's go. So this isn't the first Ashmouth card we've seen. It original isn't, huh? original Innistrad had Ashmouth Hound. Mm. And you can you can bet your ash that I made infinite <laughs> Ashmouth jokes about that one. Oh yeah. It was yeah. I I love there's nothing better than having one of the classic words in a set be something so similar to Joke potential. I, I I love it. I agree. I was thinking of you the whole time today during Versus Live. When, <laughs> oh, yeah. when Ross flipped this card, I was just like, don't say it on air, don't say it on air, <laughs> don't say it on air. But I was like, I think BBD got his wings every time I, I thought about making an ash to mouth joke. So yeah. oh, 100% I did. I am. <laughs> I could not be more proud right now. Thank if you, I buddy. Was your, if I was your father, I'd be like, Corey, I want to let you know I'm proud of you. That's what I would say right now. <laughs> wow. Well, that would make one father proud of me. Thank you. Thank you, BBD. Uh, no. <laughs> right. Your real father's like, Corey, I am very disappointed in yeah, you. But he's yeah. like, do not make that kind of obscene joke. But yeah. Anyways, this card, I do actually, right away, I thought this card was just going to be completely heinous and unplayable. But the more and more I think about it, 
the more and more it dodges a good chunk of the removal. It does not dodge all of it. Don't get me wrong. But power yep. word kill, dragon's fire without the other dragon. You know, um, there's there there's a good chunk that it it does not uh, die to. So I think this card is is success is all going to be based around the removal available. And um, if if that removal is not necessarily targeting it in the best possible way, we even saw this, you know, at Worlds, Cub Warden, uh, the, the mutating cat, uh, if you can believe it, was dominating that entire uh, league uh, gauntlet because it's a 3-5 white creature. Doesn't die to red cat melee, doesn't die to chop down. Um, you know, didn't die to burning hands. That card won the event in the hands of three different Japanese players that found out that, you know what, this is removal that people aren't playing right now. And that's how I feel about this card. If people are are dodging the removal that's being played a lot, this card's going to be good and simultaneously is going to be very bad if it's not because, well, the flip side doesn't dodge any different removal. You know, this right. isn't this isn't uh, like thing in the ice where the flip side is a completely different creature. Same toughness, same creature type, can still die to a lot of stuff. Now, this being said, Ross even did this to me in versus. <laughs> he went Smoldering Egg on two. I'm playing some shitty Rakdos Vampire aggro deck, and I couldn't I couldn't deal with it right away, you know? And might be a deck flaw, might be more interaction when it comes to the real world, but it is what it is. When Prismari Command, kill one of my creatures, loot for presumably a way to actually transform this, and then turn four went memory deluge um, and and just flipped it right away. And then the turn after just went ham, you know, played like three spells, killed my entire board, did some damage to me, followed it up with an all runs epiphany. I took six, won the game, you know, uh, so did some disgusting stuff like that. And I think that deck will be a real threat because the one thing that these is it dragon decks didn't have is that early threat. So it was just like, okay, I'm going to kill stuff. Turn three, I'm going to play Expressive Iteration. Put land three into play. Turn four, maybe Galaseth, and then start playing threats, and then hope that that's good enough. Now you have the egg. So Smoldering Egg on two, Expressive Iteration on three, into, you know, maybe if you had Play With Fire to really help out and, and let it flip turn four. Cool. If not, whatever. Uh, expressive iteration is still that really good turn three play. So I, I think this is going to be a good card where it's only other threats are going to be maybe um, Moonvale Regent and Goldspan Dragon, or maybe Galazeth Prismari and Goldspan Dragon, and basically no other threats besides all runs. You know, you can also think maybe this is going to be paired with Delver. I don't think so. I don't think I don't think Delver's playable once again. But that's where I see it, BB. What do you think? I completely agree. I think you're missing one threat that would be in that deck. Oh, God. What is it? It's... If you say Poppet Stitcher... <laughs> it's Poppet Stitcher, of course. <laughs> missing a uh, Poppet Stitcher who would 100% be in that deck. Yeah, yeah but that's true. I, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think that this card is really good. I think it's on a very similar power level to the Thing in the Ice. Yeah. Um, which saw a lot of play, quite a lot of play. In 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 some ways, it's better than Thing in the Ice. In some mm -hmm. ways, it's worse. Like, so, you know, I think that this card is easier to transform than Thing in the Ice was. Because with Thing in the Ice, you always had to cast four spells. Sometimes you played Thing in the Ice, 
And sometimes you drew a thing of the ice on turn six and you're like, I have one spell left in my hand. Like, I'm never flipping mm-hmm. this thing. Yeah. Um, whereas with this egg, you know, you you draw it and you play it and you're like, I'm one all runs epiphany away from an excellent time. No, so. even better. You're one graveyarded memory deluge now. Like, true. You know, true. that's the thing that I think is sick is like if memory deluge is sick, all of a sudden you draw a smoldering egg and you look at your graveyard with a lot different intent immediately you know yeah i i 100 agree like i i think you are not at all delusional to think that that would be a good play so nice. like yeah i'll be i'll be i'll be here all i'll be here once a week um yeah Whoa, I, that's really optimistic that you know i mean brian there's a lot of special guests you know true there's a lot of true. other brian's to get through in, in mtg true that's yeah. true yeah sorry to to speak out of line there but yeah um no i i I really do like i think that this card i mean in terms of standard i think it is way better than thing in the ice in terms of older formats probably not yeah um like thing in the ice is like a relevant modern cards or has been i don't know if it is anymore but at times has been has been a relevant modern card whereas i i don't see smoldering egg doing anything in modern but it is uh what are one of our lovely testing uh teammates uh thomas used to say it is now thing in the garbage in modern just saying yeah yeah it is thing in the garbage (laughs) yeah that was well that's because we were missing pieces of the puzzle oh my god (laughs) that's a story for another day that is a story for another day but brian this podcast has went on pretty long already um i think you know these are going to be some really good cards I'm really interested to see, and my honorable mention, um, you know, we weren't really going to bring it up, is Tovlar's Huntmaster. That card just has too much power, too much stats, too many ways to work with the other Tovlar, and um, to work with Reckless Stormseeker to not be kind of disgusting to me, too. So that that's my pick as far as a sleeper pick that we, that we could see skyrocketing up the list. Um and we'll see time will time will tell when this podcast comes out on thursday we're able to play right now so you know shoot us a tweet at the bash press podcast and and see what's working what's not we love to see a screenshot of different pictures and stuff or just at brian braun doing specifically uh over and over you good with that uh nope absolutely not perfect so we got the cast and crew coming up next the cast and crew is our lovely group of supporters that keep this podcast afloat, if I'm being honest. So thank you so much to everybody um, who has been a contributor. If you want to join the cast and crew, you can go to patreon.com slash Bass Bros podcast. So we're going to fire it up with Tosilo, And that is our middle management. Um, you know, we, we've had CEOs in the past, didn't work out. We need someone who is able to get some of these raises while not risking their careers as the person to blame. And Tosilo has been doing a great job at that. Fuck yeah, he has. Fuck oh, yeah. I, dude, I love this middle management shit. I mean, he is getting fucked by the people above him, <laughs> and he is fucking the people below him. Hell yeah, that is middle management. Yeah. What up? Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> we got Adam, and that is BBP's, BBD's, that's me, mm. personal hype man. His job is to stand behind me. And hype the shit out of whatever I say, just like I hype the shit out of a middle management position. Yeah, pretty impressive work. How did that go again when you went to visit your girlfriend's family? Didn't you say they were, quote unquote, 
not cool with this person being in their house. Wasn't that what I heard? They uh, they were not pleased by the scenario. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? At least Adam is, uh, you know, kicking ass at every other aspect of life. So next up, we got uh, Brandon, and that is the official BBP spokesperson slash scapegoat. So anytime there's a problem where we have to blame someone, like even today, <laughs> didn't have, you know, our lovely co-host Brad with us. Brandon's going to take the slack, even though it was not directly his fault. But, you know, we, we just need that easy person to be like, it, it was that it was that guy. And uh, Brandon has, uh, you know, pulled up the slack on that. Anytime we've been embezzling funds for 10 years, it's mm. certainly Brandon, the guy that we hired four months ago's fault for that. Yeah. All right. We hey, got Steve, and that is the Bash Bros podcast task rabbit. His job is to put stuff together and and get stuff done, you know? So yeah. we don't have things to get done, <laughs> but if we did... Yeah, Steve would be that's what he would be doing. Absolutely. And DJ would be the person that would after Steve gets this stuff done, he would go in, undo it and then do it again. He's you know, DJ's not a monster. He's not just going to undo shit and leave. He's just a copycat. Like, so if, if Steve's going to put stuff together, he's going to go in, either put some more stuff together or take it apart first and then put it together. Um, you know, I think I've even seen him following Adam around and hyping you up after Adam hypes you up. You know, uh, maybe a little annoying for you, but you know what? We love what DJ does. It's thorough work. He goes over over things, which is important. It was very annoying for my girlfriend's family. I'll tell you that much. All right. Yeah, what was that like the fifth person that was with you there? Like there's a Wall Street <laughs> photographer too. Like that was a lot of people to bring with like an entourage. I had a whole, I don't, yeah, it was full entourage there. All right. We got Bino Gatista. So uh, last we heard Bino was in a ICE oh, detention cool. facility. Hate to see that. Yeah. But Bino's brother, Gino Batista, who you may remember from season one of Prison Break and also from the Bash Bros podcast circa about a year ago, um, he's back and he actually snuck in some ice picks into the ice detention facility. Mm. And now Bino has been chipping away at a hole in the wall and he's been using he's been storing the, the 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 wall chippings in his pants that he shakes out into the dirt outside when they let him outside once a day. That's pretty um, genius. And he's been shaking it out there and he's slowly chipping away at a wall inside this facility that he may eventually be able to break out of. Um, wow. And, you know, you might say to yourself, how is he hiding that? He's got a poster over the hole that he's been chipping away at. What what is the poster? I mean, is it a specific thing or like do we not know that it information is. or it's an Aspros podcast poster. Oh, that's our one sale, huh? It's covering it up a crime. Oh, kind of kind of <laughs> like that podcast. Okay. Well, Jesus. Honestly, what BBD, what do you think about just letting Bino know that like we just don't want him on the podcast? It seems like it's Why? a lot more trouble. For them trying to get on the podcast, then going through all the... It, I mean, it's literally been like a year and a half or something. He's try, He's supposed to be... He was supposed to be this week's special guest okay. for their top 10 Beanos <laughs> in Magic. <laughs> I mean, come on. So let's not get okay. crazy here. Okay, never mind. We'll we'll try to get him next week. Okay, next up, we got S. Saruti, and that is our business analyst. Whenever there needs some business to be analyzed, um, this is the number one person we go to. Esser Rudy is always 
I wouldn't say the number one guy to go to when it comes to business, but definitely the number two guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. And never the number three guy, though. No, but. no, no. He's too high up. It's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like that middle management uh, uh, person, you know. It, it, he's trying to be Tosilo. Yeah, you don't want, you, yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to stoop to middle management. I mean, middle management's great. I don't know. Yeah. All right. We got Wappa. Wappa is the Lord of Puff Puffs. And I will say in honor of Wappa's Puff Puff life, um, I turned down an opportunity to purchase a golden Puff Puff because I had the Excalibur treasure and it was probably the worst mistake I've ever made. It sounds like you need to lay off that Puff Puff in Seattle, buddy, because uh, I don't know what the hell you just said. Actually, it was the second worst mistake I ever made. The worst mistake I ever made, and my girlfriend can confirm this because I said it like 10 times okay. on Sunday, was failing to draft DeAndre Hopkins in my fantasy football leagues like an idiot. Uh, like, what is, is, she, it, is she a football fan? Uh, no. <laughs> she just likes, she likes it because you like it kind of thing, huh? Yeah, I mean, she, uh, she enjoys... Uh, she enjoys it because I'm like passionate about it and stuff like yeah, that. And yeah. she follows along a little bit because of that. But no, she's not. She's not really. A football and player. she likes the sweaty, hot man aspect of it, of course. You know, that's that's got to be the main thing, right? Dude, just because just because I'm fat and I sweat a lot. I mean, you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to call me out like that. The sweaty, hot man aspect of it. <laughs> that's why she liked, you know, following all the the magic stuff, right? Like it's all just yeah. sweaty, hot men. Same as NFL players. It, it's the same thing, right? It is 100% the same thing. Okay, perfect. And next up, we got Adam. That's our ghostwriter. And uh, anytime that something very stupid was said, like the previous statement I just made, uh, that's actually all I add him. Uh, I just read the teleprompter, you know, and, and I, I do what he says. So We all do. Mm -hmm. Fate doesn't, or sorry, <laughs> free will doesn't exist. Everything in our life is fated. Uh -huh. And Adham is the puppet string master. Yeah. Marionette master. All right. You've been nailing your jokes today, Brian. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate welcome, that. Buddy. I felt like I've been getting nailed by my, <laughs> <laughs> my jokes today. So, uh, All right. David Watt, that is our special guest screener. And he was really on point this week because he actually went through 10 Brian's that all declined. Mm -hmm. um, and got to and the yeah. 11th for you, man. Honestly, let's not be crazy here. I might not have been the 11th just because of an honorable mention. Who knows how many honorable mentions there were? That's true. That's true. It is not a ranked honorable mention system. I didn't think about that. Correct. We'll, have to, we'll yeah. have to figure out your exact ranking. Yeah, we will. We will. You were at least in the top 17. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, uh, yeah, I was in the top 17% for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next up, we got Paul Cat. Sarowski, and that is BBD's wall staring photographer. Let me tell you, you know, we really, Paul, we need to see some more work from you for free, of course. Um, uh, some more <laughs> wall staring uh, pictures of you. I, I feel like he might not have been creeping as much. I think the last one I saw, you were like on the Empire State Building looking at Spider Man. It was a pretty epic picture. That was pretty incredible. Yeah. And terrifying, too. Sounds like it. All right, we got Phil. And whenever there's a hole in our company that we need to be filled, 
That's what he does. You don't know what Phil does, do you, Brian? No, I don't. I, I don't no, either, actually. I, you know. I have no filking clue what that guy does. So. <laughs> but we do still love Phil. That's all that really matters. Next no, up. We, no, we don't. No. Oh, yes, okay. we do. Yes, okay, we do. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we got Sultan Abasi, and that is our designated mana dork. And you know what? I'm looking at all of our cards so far, and none of them really do produce us mana. Oh, wait, mm. no, it's got to be Arlen, the, the moon's moon's fury. That's our only mana producer. So the backside of a planeswalker. Uh, there's some other ones in there. I don't think so. Oh, I do. Renin 7-0 ability, baby. Oh, yeah. Those are tapped, though. Those do not generate mana the turn they come into play, so shut the hell up. But neither does Llanowar Elves. Oh, shit. Roasted. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, God, give me a body bag. I'm done. You've officially killed me. That is that is such uh, a good point. <laughs> all right, we got Gare Melody, and that is our merch store manager. Let's give a big round of applause to Gare Melody because he actually sold our first Aspros podcast poster <laughs> just, just this week. A very credible, reliable source. I yes. Think, yeah, I think the note that they sent us was don't ever fucking talk about this. I'm trying to get out of ice, but I think that was a joke. It was also a ransom note, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Don't you remember, Brian, we're not supposed to mention this for the safety and legality that our lawyers suggested right. to us before this on that sale of the Aspros podcast poster. Uh, poster. Correct. I just put my family's life at risk by saying that. Very yeah. stupid. Yikes. But uh, yeah, Garrett, keep up uh, keep up all those. Maybe just don't tell us about where you get these sales from from now on. That would probably save a lot of problems. Right. And it can be illegal. We don't care about that. We just don't want to know that it's illegal. Exactly. That way, we can, that way there's plausible deniability. And then, of course, Brandon can get canned for it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, I mean, Adham... <laughs> would take a little bit of the slack as well for just you know telling us the words that we talk about it but yeah either way it wouldn't yeah. be our problem so next Correct. up we got patrick and that is our office party coordinator and you know what next week if we uh if we got brad stuff i think we'll have to have an office party to celebrate but for now it's still a very dry office that we need to plan a party for it's like the sahara desert in that office uh, touche, all right yeah. We got Victor, and that is Brad's first place trophy holder. I'm worried for Victor's life. He is in the back of a truck that we do not know where the F that truck is. So. That's true. Holding all his trophies. You know what? It seemed better to just fly him coach to the next spot where Brad's trophies were going to be. But you know what? Victor is a hands-on type of dude, and we uh, we couldn't pry those trophies out of his out of his hand so good uh, you know good commitment there victor we couldn't pry those trophies out of what are at this point certainly his cold dead <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no kidding no kidding all right everyone i want to thank y'all so much for watching remember if you want to be a part of the casting crew go to patreon.com slash bash bros podcast uh i hope y'all like uh the top 10 list that we came from we're excited. We should do a top 10 recap at the end of every set, uh, Brian. That should, that should be something we we should remember from now that on is, that we will not remember. But that would be we fun. Will, we to will, look we will not remember or do it, but that is a great idea. Great idea that we will probably not enact later, but we'll see how wrong we are as we start playing with cards. You know, I won't be able to play much this week. 
uh, because I got the old in-laws coming into town. Mm. Um, but about the time we start the next podcast, I'll be able to start diving in uh, and checking some stuff out to see what we were wrong and right about. So, all right, everyone, that's going to do it for this week. We will see you next week for some more Bash Bros podcast action. Bye-bye. Later. Later.